Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, how much should we forgive at work? If you're constantly internalizing dozens of these types of interactions in a day, you have to have an outlet. You have to have a way that you let that go. Work can be the source of plenty of slights and upset. My guest today says she's thrived by making forgiveness a career tactic. Coming up on The Broad Experience. A couple of shows ago, you heard an episode called Forced Out about leaving a job in bad circumstances. In that show, we discussed ways of dealing with painful situations at work from being fired to just having a really poor relationship with your manager. But today, the more under-the-radar stuff gets a lot of attention too. Not that they haven't been around for a while. Microaggressions. The little things people say and do to make you feel that you distinctly do not belong here. Christy Lindor is something of an expert in dealing with them. She describes herself as first-generation everything. First-generation American, uh, first college grad of my family, first corporate professional. Christy's parents are from Haiti, and Christy was raised in Boston. We grew up speaking three different languages at home, interestingly enough. So I, you know, it, it, it's funny when you when you when you're kind of always context switching, you know, as they call it. We spoke French. We spoke Creole, which is a dialect, a local dialect in Haiti, as well as English. And so when we speak to each other and I, I hear this happens a lot in bilingual or, you know, multi-generational families where we'll, you know, even in speaking like one or two sentences, we'll speak all three languages together and we understand each other. But outside, it's sometimes people are like, you have your own language. Her parents entertained the immigrant parents' dream that their girl would become a doctor or a lawyer or maybe an engineer. But Christy, once she got to college, she found out about this thing called management consulting. And that's what she ended up becoming after she graduated, a consultant. She loved the idea of helping clients solve problems, working as part of a team, She's been at it now for almost 20 years. I told her I've met a lot of recovering consultants over the years. Most people on average don't last more than two, three years in the business. I had no idea going into it um, that was the case. Um, I just knew it was incredibly hard. And I realized really quickly that it was a um, there was kind of an elitist club to it. You know, you were either in or you were out. Um, If you were in, that meant that you had opportunities for apprenticeship, for mentors, for exposure to really cool projects. And if you were out, you know, it really took more work, you know, it took a lot more for you to be able to really kind of prove your worth, be able to get a seat at the table. And I had to learn that the hard way. She tried not to feel intimidated by the Ivy League graduates around her with their sparkling pedigrees. And she put up with a lot as she started to crack consulting's culture. 
in consulting, I usually spend most of my days really being the only woman and sometimes the only person of color in the room. Um, and, and, and with that, you know, there comes a lot of sometimes subtle and sometimes not so subtle acts of, of whether it's sexism, whether it's racism. Um, when I was younger, there was an ageism thing, you know, when uh, because it was like, you know, our, she's she looks really young, you know. So there was a lot of biases that just came with my mere existence coming into this space. When she first started out, she was just concentrating on being the best she could be, getting the work done brilliantly. But one incident really took her aback. She'd interviewed to be involved on a particular client project. She says in consulting, you interview with the client to make sure the role is the right fit for you. So I remember I had a really great interview over the phone with my with the client um, and with the engagement manager. It was it was, you know, I, I had had a series of conversations with them. Sounds like it was a great fit. Um, I was really excited about the opportunity. I think this was my third or fourth project into my career. So, you know, right out the gate and within my first two years of, of my, um, you know, of me starting in this this type of work. So I actually, I flew out um, to the client site. You know, it was my first day on this project, really excited. I was supposed to meet the engagement manager at the security desk, you know, to, to give me access into the building. Now, this was in the days before everyone had a photo attached to their online profile. The manager had described himself and what he was wearing that day. So Christy's standing there in the busy lobby and she knows what she's looking for. So I I remember him getting off the elevator and I saw, you know, I saw him. He was kind of looking up and down, looking for me, um, you know, to be able to meet up. And so since I recognized him just from his description, I naturally went up to him and I was like, hi, my name is Christy. So excited to meet you. I put out my hand to shake his hand. And I distinctly remember Ashley the facial expressions he had. His face, when he transitioned from being really upbeat and kind of excited to him being kind of surprised, to being a little confused, to being a little disappointed in like less than like 10 seconds. And then he he kind of blurted out, oh, you're Christy. She says she was clearly not what he was expecting. This was about 15 years ago now, still. I'll never forget it because it was such an awkward elevator ride up to the client site because he you know I I'm uncomfortable because he's uncomfortable and while you know he didn't you know when you think about that instant he didn't really do anything to me he didn't harm me but his nonverbal cues were felt and they were felt on a on a deeper kind of subconscious level and that really played out you know it was a three-month engagement and I had to I remember I had to kind of push that out of my head. I remember I, I meant I made the decision. I, I you know, and said, you know what, Christy, you just gotta gotta like move on, right? And and move on with the day. It's your first day on the project. You gotta make a great impression. But, you know, deep down that kind of was always nagging, you know, and it really affected my experience with him and with the client. And so, you know, this is that's just one example. And I, I can think of literally thousands of different types of examples that like that that happen to me on a on a regular basis. So, for me, forgiveness really became a survival technique. It really became something I had to lean on to be able to focus on what mattered, for me to be able to pivot my energy, um for me to be able to kind of not let people's biases or their stereotypes about me affect me. We'll talk more about forgiveness in a minute. But first, I wondered, did that awkward situation ever resolve? 
it never really did resolve. <laughs> you know, it, I think he he probably kind of got over the fact that I am who I am. Um, he never said anything to me. Like, he never said anything out of the ordinary to me. And I, I kind of moved it out of kind of my head, like I mentioned, and, and really focused on the day and the work. Um, but what it did do was that it, it actually, that initial reaction did impact my ability to trust him. You know, so from the get, I never really trusted him. And he was not, he was a nice guy. You know, I, I learned a lot on the, th- the three months that I worked with him. And I think by the end, you know, things were fine. You know, we delivered the work. Things were great. But, you know, I kind of walked away from that experience um, and, and not really ever trusting him. And, and, and not really there never really being a reason to bring it up. You know, um, I was earlier, I was early in my career. So it wasn't like I had that type of, that type of courage to kind of bring that situation up to him. And honestly, Ashley, at the time, I didn't really have mentors or anyone to talk to about it. She says she internalized it. She did the same with subsequent situations, like the time a leader she admired acknowledged everyone else in the room's ideas, but didn't even make eye contact with her. All the time she found out a colleague with eight years less experience than her was making almost 50% more. I kind of wasn't sharing as much as myself. I wasn't sharing ideas that I had, um, bringing those to the table. And I was already introvert. But, you know, certain in certain situations I, I experienced made me even more introverted, uh, made me even more quiet, which obviously in a, in a, in a very collaborative career like consulting, being quiet and not being able to share your thoughts and ideas on a particular solution is actually not the best thing <laughs> to do. And so I think when I when I caught myself really kind of being more internal, um, even though I, I was dealing with different things, I realized that I had to come up with a different paradigm of how I was interacting with the world um, in order for me to thrive. So she came up with this idea of forgiveness to make lemons out of lemonade, as she puts it. She had to have an outlet, a way to let go. Otherwise, she says she might have just quit consulting altogether. But one big blow put the whole forgiveness thing to the test. She had worked like crazy all year, as usual. She says she was always the most knowledgeable, most prepared person in the room. She was expecting a top performance rating and a promotion at the end of that fiscal year. But she didn't get one. She was crushed. And after wallowing for a few days in shock, anger, grief, she decided to take a new tack. She calls it release, where you take control of your hurt and upset and use it to move forward. In her case, she realized she'd been spending all her energy trying to get ahead within her organization. But no one outside it knew who she was. She couldn't control what happened at work, at least not as much as she'd like. But she could control what she did next. She set about building her own brand outside of her company. In just over a year, she wrote articles, a book. She did a TEDx talk, launched a podcast. And the year after that, she even got that promotion. But it didn't matter as much anymore, because by that time, she felt powerful in her own right. She says too many people still cleave to the idea that if you forgive, you're letting someone else off the hook. There's a story that's out there or a belief that forgiveness means that everything is okay. 
you know, and or forgiveness. If you're forgiving someone, that means that there's an absolute, you know, someone was absolutely right or someone was absolutely wrong in a particular scenario. Um, and I know for me, I've actually had to think about forgiveness in a different light. I've had to almost redefine what forgiveness means for me. And for me, it, it's really more about self-care, you know, and, and I there's a saying out there that I really love it, where, where it's like, you know, if you don't forgive someone, it's like, you know, you're drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. That's that's essentially what happens when, you know, if you if you've gone through something and you're holding on to it, it, it really serves. It doesn't serve you a purpose. I relate to that. A painful work experience for me years ago came out of me being pitted against a younger colleague in another city for a job I really wanted and felt I deserved after years of building up to it. I did not get the job. It was a small office and of course this new person was going to be around me all day. I was smarting with indignation. Part of me, there was nothing I wanted more than to be snarky or cool with this person because I was feeling aggrieved that they got my job. The other part was more mature. I thought, bitter as I feel about what's happened, and there was a whole history to this, who am I helping by playing to my worst instincts? Management made this decision. I'm just making myself look bad, maybe getting a little petty satisfaction for a while. But in the end, being mean or off wasn't going to serve me any purpose whatsoever. I did have to swallow hard to do this, but after being friendly for a while, it just became normal. And I did take matters into my own hands and tell the company I needed more money if I was going to stay there. I got a 20% raise. So ultimately, I came away from the situation feeling that I had channeled my bitter feelings into something more rewarding. Circling back to a situation Christy outlines in her new workbook, it's called Release. Use the power of forgiveness to get unstuck and thrive in your career. She knows this woman called Quinn, and maybe this rings bells for some of you, but Quinn was an up-and-coming leader in her 20s. She was promoted to manage a 20-person team. But after that promotion, her longtime supervisor, Martha, who'd been with the company 10 years, suddenly turned on her. She was verbally abusive She belittled Quinn in front of the staff. It was awful. After trying HR with no effect, Quinn thought, "Okay, what do I really want out of this situation? Martha clearly feels threatened by me, but I'd like her as a mentor. I can learn a lot from her if she'll only treat me like a human being and be collaborative. She said, you know what? I really want to have a relationship with this individual. I feel like I have a lot to learn. You know, and I know that Martha will be a great kind of mentor to me, even though I've just kind of come into this new supervisory role. So for her, even though she had gone through a lot with this individual, she felt like she was at a place where it would be it would be more beneficial to her. And again, that forgiveness and self-care piece, she felt like it would be more beneficial for her to really repair the relationship and start over, but start over from a from a lens of let me let me just share with you what really happened and how it made me feel and what type of relationship I want with you. Quinn did just that. She approached Martha, told her she wanted to learn from her. She wasn't trying to take her job. And it worked. The older woman was totally disarmed by her words, and they went on to have a fruitful relationship. That feels like a very mature approach. 
And it is one that can be hard for us to take when we're clouded by emotions like anger and hurt and resentment. But I do think it's worth pausing to think about what you want at the end of the day, not just how aggrieved you feel. Finally, I asked Christy if she doesn't at least sometimes take someone to task for something they've said or done. She does, like the time a colleague of hers casually dissed Haitians because he'd had a bad experience with someone. She took him aside, explained to him, among other things, that Haitians weren't monolithic. She says she was satisfied with his apology and came away feeling good about it. But she's careful about who she speaks to. I think there has to be kind of a care factor. I have to care enough about really creating, maintaining, strengthening a relationship um, with another person to want to be vulnerable and, 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 and share that. But that's a choice that I, I decide that I make. And, you know, it has to be resolved in a way that is mutually beneficial where um, I walk away, you know, having voiced my opinion and feeling heard and the other person walks away learning a different perspective. Christy Lindor. She's the author most recently of a workbook called Release. Use the power of forgiveness to get unstuck and thrive in your career. That's the broad experience for this time. And this is the last episode you'll hear for a while. I'm putting the show on hiatus for the first time in seven and a half years. I have a big work project that's going to dominate much of my time for the next several months. I know I can't do that and this show well at the same time. So I'm going to take a break and use the time I'm not producing the show to think about where it should go in the future. In the meantime, there is a large archive for you to delve into. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.